and welcome to FiverCast, the official Fiverr podcast for sellers by sellers. My name is Red, aka Red Horrix. And I'm Adam, aka Twisted Web123. Today we're rejoined by a guest host who we've had on the show previously, and that is Barbara. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself, Barbara? Hey guys, thank you for having me on today. Well, my name is Barbara, aka Bachas85. Um, I've been a seller on Fiverr for three and a half years, going on four. My main gig is just doing commercial videos for whoever needs one uh, at an affordable price. And I've done a, a little bit of, of voiceovers here and there, but um, the video gigs are my thing. So today, thanks for joining us. This is a great uh, topic for you. Um, we're talking all about gig videos the importance of having them, how to create them, what the best situation is for gig videos. So I know for me, um, a gig video is really important because as a voiceover artist, it's really good for clients to be able to hear samples of my work. So I have gig videos on my two main gigs and I have basically a recording of me explaining a little bit about myself and what I do. And then I have a bunch of samples. Now, for me, I have it with a static image, but I know Adam, you appear in some of your gig videos, don't you? Yeah, I uh, I appear in a couple of my gig videos, and I also go kind of down the route of doing a portfolio um, of kind of sample work similar to you. Um, one thing I often think about when creating a gig video is I always imagine if I was watching television and an advertisement came on the screen. And if that advertisement was just text on the screen for 30 seconds that I had to read, would that captivate me as much as watching an actual advertisement or a standard advertisement? And that can be kind of transitioned into looking at Fiverr and thinking, looking at the Fiverr profile, what is going to captivate my audience more than reading text on the screen or some kind of engaging video? So I don't, I'm not a massive fan of appearing on video myself, but it was that kind of the thought process behind that, that prompted me to kind of take that leap and decide to do it. So what about you, Barbara? Um, I mean, obviously you're a, you're a video person. It's mostly what you do. Did you always have, when you were doing your voiceover gigs as opposed to your video gigs, did you always have yourself presenting on camera? Um, well, and I started off with uh, video gigs in the first place, and then I kind of transitioned into the voiceover gig. But in my voiceover gig, I felt that it was um, more appropriate just the way that you, you're you doing it, where you display your samples and you have a static image. Because, again, it depends on the type of gig that you're offering. In this case, if it's a voiceover, uh, your, you know, your buyers are going to want to hear your voice. But as far as my gig videos, you know, I obviously had to do something about it. When I first started, I was kind of hesitant um, of, of doing a, a gig video or doing gig videos, uh, not gig videos, or doing um, video gigs at all because I'm I'm quite the shy person. So it took a little bit of that like oomph um, before I actually got into this whole um, spokesperson video thing. But for me, you know, it's it, it works perfectly because I get to do my own video. I, I work with the lighting and the camera. I do my editing, et cetera, et cetera. But there are, you know, other people out there, other sellers who they have to find how to do them. So there comes the question. If you're a seller that is selling, I don't know, something like an ebook or translations or some other type of creative service and you just, you know, you can't find it in you to do your own gig video. You know, what do you do? That's, 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 
a question that often pops up. So I don't know what you guys think. What, what, what do you guys usually tell people, you know, when they ask around? I think when you are looking at what sort of gig video you need to do, you need to hone in on what is the unique selling point of your gig. So in that regards, for example, your voiceover videos uh, for both you and Red, your unique selling point is obviously your voice. But there's a secondary point to that, which is yourself as well, because you need to present kind of the tone and yourself as being the voice. So I'm guessing that both of you have your examples shown, but you maybe also the photos, maybe a headshot of you two mm-hmm. on each of your videos. Yeah, I have a headshot. And then I also, within my gig video, I introduce myself first. Um, so it, I can't remember exactly what it says off the top of my head, but it's like, uh, you know, hi, my name's Red. I do voiceovers. And I think that that's a big part of it is is personally introducing yourself. And yeah, you're right. It's You are displaying your brand, Adam. So it's about showing them that you are you and you are a person and you are the person behind the name and they're buying from you. I totally, totally agree with that too. Um, you know, definitely tip for every seller out there. The first thing you want to do is introduce yourself and who you are. And then it doesn't matter, you know, how you end up doing your, your gig video. Um, you know, you put yourself out there and then you explain what your gig is about. I think um, when it comes down to your unique selling point, so with with both of your videos, the unique selling point is quite obvious. Whereas when you look at maybe something like an ebook, where your unique selling point becomes a little bit more difficult because at the end of the day, your service is essentially an ebook. So you have to kind of try and differentiate yourself from other ebook sellers who may be on a similar subject. So where that unique selling point becomes more difficult. In that situation, I think it's best if you're not sure what to do to appear on video yourself because there's there's nothing better than presenting yourself to the user. However, I think if you're uncomfortable with appearing on video yourself, it's very easy to fall into a trap of going along the whiteboard animation or the template route. Now, normally, if you have a really nice whiteboard animation, you know, something that really kind of jumps out to the user, anywhere it would really pop and really look great. But the problem is, because Fiverr is a large platform with a lot of different sellers and a lot of different services and, you know, a lot of different people offering the same service, the risk that you fall into is if you do a whiteboard animation and your competitor's done a whiteboard animation and your other competitor's done a whiteboard animation, they've all kind of chosen that way, you kind of lose your unique selling point and you kind of lose your unique video as well. But there's something that you can never have someone else replicate, which is your cell phone video. So when I first created my video for um, my website review service, it, it was not a good video. It was on a quite a poor webcam. I, you could just about see my face and hear me. It was, it was passable for quality, but it wasn't really the best promotional video. But the feedback that I received from that was very surprising. The, the amount of people who ordered just because they could see me as a real kind of end user, a real person that they're purchasing from, that alone kind of spiked my sales. When I started, I actually had something similar. I didn't actually have the static image headshot um, with the samples. I just had me on a webcam talking and saying who I am. So the first year that I was on Fiverr, and I didn't do terribly badly with it. I mean, I, I got a lot of orders and I definitely saw a spike when I had the slightly more professional video later. But that initial webcam one worked really, really well, which surprised me. But I think anyone can anyone can kind of do that. You just have to 
be able to inject a little personality and show you show them who you are and that you are an authority on what you are selling. Yep. What I what I always say is, you know, at the end of the day, it's you and the camera. You can do, you know, five takes, 10 takes, 100 takes. You can do whatever you want. The possibilities are endless. And then at the end of the day, who's going to watch the video that you are doing and who's going to edit it? It's going to be yourself. And then you put out a video out there um, when you're comfortable with, even if it's not, you know, the best of qualities, because, you know, when we all started, our video quality wasn't the best, but, you know, you definitely do get, you know, a higher um, turnaround in orders. Uh, and then you sort of, you know, get the ball rolling and that's, that's how you start. And, and then as soon as you get more sales, you get more money and then you can do better videos because you won't stay with one video, you know, for the life of your gig, you're going to have to, um, you know, rotate videos. I know I've, I've changed my gig video probably about six times since I started. Um, I don't know about you guys. I think I, I've only changed mine once or twice, but that's because uh, my services have stayed so similar. It mm-hmm. hasn't really, I haven't really adjusted anything, but I can understand for you as you, as you go along, you're probably continuing to upgrade your equipment. So you might want to demonstrate better your equipment that way. And I know, and I, and I think for you, Adam, you just changed your gig video recently too, didn't you? Yeah, I, um, I was really, really, really nervous about changing my gig video because I thought my sales are quite okay now. I'm happy with them. You know, what's, what's the worst, you know, that can happen. I don't really want to lose that. And it took me a long time to decide to change it. And before I changed it on the, the gig that I changed, I had roughly about 30 orders in queue on average at any set time, you know, delivering them, coming back in. And I took the plunge and I changed the video quite pessimistically. And I'm, I'm currently sitting at around 170 orders on average in queue just because of that change in video. And that, that really shocked me because I think, I think you can kind of fall into a shell with things like videos, especially if you become comfortable or if you're not comfortable. Because you may record a video and, and you say, right, okay, it's done, it's there, it's fine, it's out the way. Or you may record a video and think, okay, let's not change it. But I think it's important to kind of mix it up. And I think what Barbara said was a really, really valuable tip about the fact of it's you and the camera. Often when people say they don't want to appear on video, it's because they don't go, they're not going to be good on video. But who else is going to see your recording? You can record and record and record until you're happy with it. There's, there's so many things that you can do with it to make sure you're happy. You, you might as well just record. There's, there's no downside to giving it a go. Let, let's talk a little about, for the people who really just, just cannot do the on-camera thing, um, what are some other options that they can have to personalize their gig videos without actually going on camera? Okay, so I think one important thing to mention here is something they can't do, and I think Barbara gets a lot of these requests. And a lot of the time people will ask, I don't want to appear on video, but can I hire another Fiverr seller to help me appear on video or to appear on video for me? And unfortunately for those people looking for that, the answer to that is no. And that's because it's important to represent yourself as your own profile. However, there is a slight bit of leeway there in the fact that you can possibly hire someone to record a voiceover. So you could hire someone to record a voiceover to maybe add to a video, but having someone appear on video um, for you isn't allowed. Yep, that is absolutely correct. 
And, you know, sometimes people will, um, in my case, you know, say, oh, hey, can you do, can you record a video for my gig video? And, you know, I say no. And then, um, well, I don't say no, no, you know, but I give an explanation. But in other, in other instances, they just say, oh, can, can you do this script for me? And I kind of know the gist of what gig videos or gig scripts are, are about. So, you know, I kind of know that they're going to do it for a gig video. And in both cases, you know, when they ask me flat out or when they just hand me their script and I kind of find out that it's for their gig video, I say, you know, um, it's unfortunately not allowed, you know, don't waste your money because, um, you know, you're going to pay for this gig. Um, I'm going to record this gig for you, which I probably could if I wanted to, but you know, um, the good thing is that I wouldn't do, do that to them. Um, and I'm sure there's other sellers maybe out there who might do it, but don't do it. It'll just end up getting, uh, rejected. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think my fallback for if I have a gig that I don't think is appropriate to appear on video where my unique selling point is clearer or um, if I'm not sure what to do, my fallback is to always try and demonstrate the work maybe in a kind of portfolio style and then try to add a kind of personalized touch with something like a voiceover. So if it if it's my own voice, that is you know brilliant. It's, it's almost as good as appearing on video because you're still kind of setting that tone. If I maybe hire someone to do the video, I think the presentation may go up because people probably have better recording values than me. But I think you lose a little bit of personality there. So I can't I can't be an advocate for the alternative, but because I don't think the alternative is ever going to be as good as appearing yourself. But if there is an alternative there, I think it's still important to have something that's quite engaging and kind of captivates the audience. So one of the, the biggest pitfalls I see people fall into is they they kind of maybe go down um, a text-based video route with either music or no music, and you're sitting there watching a video for about 60 seconds, and you're just reading text on the screen. And it may be slightly nicely animated, but it's it's not really captivating me. It's not really speaking to me as a buyer. And the other side of that is they spend about 60 seconds highlighting the, the $5 service. And if you're going to have a video for 60 seconds long, you should try to, even if it's just a reference of check out my extras, you should try to mix it up a little bit. Because after about 20 seconds into the video of a $5 service, you probably get the gist about what the $5 service is. If you don't, it's probably being presented too slowly to you. And for me, I kind of lose interest and click around elsewhere and probably end up leaving. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole, like, it's it's the MTV generation thing. Everyone's just really, really used to short, quick, to the point clip. So I think I think length of video, that's a really important thing to talk about. I think from in my opinion, I'd say between 30 and 60 seconds is is about where it should be. And I believe Fiverr Fiverr limits you at 60 seconds. So I mean they're already kind of thinking about that along those lines. Um, but so what do you guys think are the most important things to include in your video? Like what is the information that you must get to your to your potential buyer? What I personally do is, you know, of course, introduction, who you are, a very brief, brief description of what you sell. It's basically kind of like going over your gig title and asking people to read your gig description. That's what I do. And I don't even say, you know, for $5, like for in, in my, my case, um, you know, I do $5 for every 50 words. I don't even include the number of words because you know, I can actually reuse that video or keep my video in case I want to change my prices. 
So it's also, it's, it's best to keep it kind of generalized and just to the point who you are, what you do and read your gig description. Yeah, for me, it's, it's quite similar. I always, I always make sure that I introduce myself. I think it's very important to connect with the user in some sort of way, uh, kind of way where when they go to message you, they don't just kind of say hi there. There's at least maybe an engagement where they may, may say hi, Twisted Web 123 or hi, Adam, or just something a little bit more than hi there. So I think the intro is really important. I also think, like you say, keeping the main bulk of it to quite a concise element where you're not being too specific. Because if you are being specific, you, as you say, risk the fact of if you change your prices, you have to redo the whole video. But something that I also really try to do is I always reference the buyer. So if I'm going to build a logo or create a logo, I don't say I'm going to create a logo. I say I will create your logo. And if I'm going to build a website, I don't say I will build a website. I will build your website for your business. And I think it's very important to reference the buyer and their situation. So having watched your video, they can kind of think, oh, yeah, this is exactly what I need for my business. Or this is exactly that I need to help me as opposed to it being kind of a blanket statement. That's a really, really good point. I mean, there's like, there's almost like a certain level of you're engaging with the buyer with the assumption in a way with the assumption that they are going to purchase your product. And that then seeds itself into the buyer's mind too. It's like they, I think it's easier for them to see themselves doing it when you've directly said to them, I'm going to do this for you instead of like, I'm going to do this. I think a, a great example of that is something like voicemails. Like a lot of buyers may click around and just have a browse. And let's say I clicked your gig and it said, I will create a voicemail. I may look at that and think, oh, I'll create a voicemail. That's quite cool. Yeah, you know, it, it looks good. But if I read, create, uh, I will create your voicemail, I might sit there and go, oh, actually, I think my, my business would benefit from having a personalized voicemail message. And it kind of clicks to the buyer that, oh, actually, this is relevant to me. Whereas beforehand, they may kind of look at it in a kind of third person point of view and just see what's available. See, and now I'm like, oh, I... I'm going to have to go back and look at my gigs now because I think I might have a voicemail on them. Oh my goodness, you're changing the way that I think about it. That's no good. I, th I think he's changing the way everyone thinks. I'm trying That's to think like, do I say your video or a video? But yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to go back to. But it, mm -hmm. I think that's a very, very brilliant tip right there. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think the other thing that I always mention about the video as well is you've always got to reference your extras in some capacity. Because you've got to remember that, first of all, not every buyer that comes onto your profile is experienced. They may not even think to scroll down the page. Mm -hmm. Second of all, as I say, that even if they were to scroll down the page, they may not really see how relevant it is to them. So if you can spend a portion of the video time, but not all of it, highlighting the $5 service, then a quick kind of like hat tip to just the extra. So, and be sure to check out my extras below to maximize the value of your service or just something along those lines, just to do that. So when the buyer's reading, they kind of go, uh, watching, I should say, they kind of go, oh, there's extras. Uh, I was going to say, as, as we all know, a lot of the times buyers may just watch the video and check out, not even reading the description, kind of assuming, okay, the video kind of covers me. This is what I want. This is the service. So you've got to make sure to kind of direct them to say there is more as well. And to add to that, um, you know, you you say check out my gig extras you you can say below or you know if you're doing the video yourself you can actually point downward when you're saying that so that you know you're telling them hey look look down here you know there's a lot of valuable information down here and you know just a little pointing of the fingers can get them there without saying mm, much like a, like a direct call to action <laughs> yeah 
Very cool. So Barbara, as an experienced on-camera person, do you have any other tips for people who are looking to be on camera for their gig videos? Well, the most valuable tip is, you know, make a script, write it, read it, practice it, make it yours, feel comfortable with it. Um, and then just, you know, practice with the camera as, as I said, and I'm, I'm, I'm never going to tire of saying this. It's just you and the camera and, you know, no one else. There's four walls around you and, you know, you can make the video as, as best as you can, um, you know, with what you have, because it's not like everyone's going to have a, you know, a full blown studio and, you know, an HD cam. You don't really need that. Um, all you have to do is just put your personality into the video speak loud and clear and just give it a go. And, you know, again, you're going to be changing your videos um, every so often, maybe, you know, once a year or, you know, however many times, but each time I, I promise you each, each time you do your video, it's going to be a better one. Um, and you can grab, you know, your iPhone, your iPhone camera is perfect. Um, you can shoot a video with that and grab a tripod. You can make things work. Um, the thing is to kind of have a confidence of being in front of the camera with yourself. Cause again, it's just you and the camera. You can do whatever you want and you'll be great at it. I think the, uh, the script point there is very valuable as well. Cause often when I sometimes watch videos, I'll notice uh, you can, even if the script is like, say, two centimeters below the camera lens, you can see people's eyes look down and you can kind of tell when they're reading. So I think if you either memorize the script or you have at least points in your head that you want to cover, you can engage a lot more with the audience and talk with the audience as opposed to trying to get the script done or read the script off a piece of paper during the video and kind of losing that engagement. Because I think at the end of the day, the, the most important thing your video does is it engages with your audience. And I think it's really important to note too that you do not, as a great point, Barbara, you do not need fancy equipment to do this. You can do this with a webcam. You can do this with your phone. There are so many brilliant video editors on Fiverr that would love to help put this together for you. So I'm, I'm sure that for a very small fee, you could take what you have and get it polished up by a video editor online. Yep, that's the beauty of Fiverr. You know, you can search for providers to, you know, give you a little bit of this, a little bit of that editing. Um, you know, they could work out some nice three second intro with your, um, you know, your username, just little things like that. All right. So I think that about wraps up our topic for the day. So uh, we're going to move on to our question and answer portion. And we've got a, we've had a really interesting question here today from Fast Copywriter who asks, what are your worst buyer stories? And I think for, I know uh, for myself, I'm not super comfortable discussing my worst buyer stories because I really don't like to focus on that. So I think I'm going to flip this question a little bit and I'm going to say, what are your best buyer stories? Um, Barbara, what's something amazing that has happened to you as a buyer? Um, you know, it's kind of hard for me to pinpoint, you know, just one buyer experience because I've had, you know, such a vast experience with so many different people out there and I can sort of grab a little bit of, of everyone and make like the perfect buyer. And I've had tons of these, uh, types of buyers before where, you know, 
they read your gig description. They provide all the requirements at the moment that they place their order. So, you know, you, you get to their order and you're ready to work on it and you don't have to ask anything um, from them in order to, you know, proceed with your order. Um, they're, and they're polite, you know, they, they say, hello, um, this is so, I'm so-and-so, um, this is what I need. I'm one of the best parts that I like is that, um, you know, they say, oh, I'm looking forward to your work. That means to me, you know, they actually looked at my sample. So, you know, they're comfortable and they, they're pumped and they, they, they want my gig delivered. Um, and at the end, you know, they just surprise you with the nicest, most elaborate, um, review you can think about, um, that, you know, you, you kind of get flattered on in multiple occasions, you know, I've always had to say, you know, thank you so much for, for, for the kind words. I, I really, really appreciate it. And on top of that, you know, they give you a tip. And then the best part is when they become, you know, a, a repetitive buyer. Um, so those, those kinds of buyers to me are, you know, the really, really appreciative types of buyers who appreciate your work and, you know, they come back um, because they like the, 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 the quality of your, of your gig and your service. Um, so for me, those are, you know, the best types of buyers out there. And I'm just really happy to say that most of my, my, most of my buyers are, are, are that way. You know, I, I appreciate every single one of them. For me, uh, I think there's, there's two kinds that I've got here. The first is in regards to the actual gig with the buyer. And for me, my best stories, again, it's hard to pinpoint one. So for me, the, the thing that I love to see the most when I work with a buyer is seeing the success, uh, the success from it. And it's absolutely, for example, if I'm hired to improve someone's website and they come back, you know, they may have struggling sales or they may be, you know, lacking in search engine optimization or something along these lines. And we work together for a little while and then, you know, they go on their way because we've done the work. But then they maybe come back a month or two down the line with additional work and they just come back and say, my website has totally changed. It's, it's it's amazing how, you know, you've helped do this kind of thing. And just seeing the long term of that, it gives you a real closure to the order. And I love the buyers that come back with that that kind of closure and show how it's happened and what's happened. And it's a really kind of it's like seeing your, your product developed. And as you work with so many buyers on Fiverr, because the possibilities behind all the ordering you have the ability to have that happen over and over and over again, where normally you may not have that happen that frequently at all. You may only be, you know, part of a small project or part of a big project where you don't always get to see that end goal. In terms of overall, um, I once went through a phase of, before the tip gig was in place, I went, oh, I should say the tip extra. Uh, I went to the phase of, on my tip gig, rather than accepting direct tips as money, I kind of, I listed them almost like a wish list. So I put them as a wish list to say, if I receive this tip, this is what I'm going to do, et cetera, et cetera. And part of that was I experimented for a short while and I had a, an Amazon wish list just to, just to see. And uh, I think the thing that touched me most was I put loads of Winnie the Pooh things on there randomly. Um, and someone bought all these Winnie the Pooh things for my, son, uh, for my son for his birthday. And that was absolutely amazing. He had like a, a go to sleep, cuddle me, Winnie the Pooh, uh, like a set of Winnie the Pooh, six books, etc. 
And it was the it was the sweetest thing ever. And we ended up talking about kids and everything else, just rambling outside of work. And that was that was such a nice buyer. How about yourself, Red? Um, I have a lot of really I'm really lucky. I have a lot of really, really amazing buyers that I have developed great relationships with over the years. And um and I I've got wonderful ones that I, I see them come back day after day after day and those are great and I and I love them dearly. Um but one of the things that I didn't really think that I would be working on when I started the voiceover thing, it didn't occur to me, was how many people um, need voiceovers for videos for Kickstarter. And I've had, I've had many, many charities and amazing organizations who are on a super, super low budget who are trying to get a Kickstarter campaign launched to fund things like, you know, uh, clean water in, in the South of Africa and things like that. So I've, I've had this opportunity to kind of indirectly be part of these amazing um, charitable campaigns that have, some of them have really, really given me like food for thought. And they, there's been a couple that I've actually ended up going and donating to because they're just um, such wonderful ideas. So it's been really amazing to feel like in some teeny, teeny, tiny way, I'm making a difference. And then I have a lot of people who are students who are doing things like final student projects and they're trying to um, make things seem more professional, like especially for people who are going to who are in high school in computer classes, designing, you know, small websites or putting together videos for certain things and and stuff like that is it's really it's really kind of rewarding um, just to think that it's an opportunity to give people a high quality service on a low budget. Um, so that's, that always makes me happy. And then I did have one really amazing one where it was a, a gentleman's, uh, it was his wife's birthday. And I think she was, I think she was turning 60 or 70 and he had written the story of her life that he wanted narrated over and it would end up being narrated over like a slideshow of all these cool things that she'd done in her life to play at her birthday party for for that and I got to narrate that for her and I think that was super cool too because it was just so personal and so sweet and just such a lovely thing to be involved in so those are the ones that really stick out to me the ones where I get to feel personally and emotionally invested in in what the buyer is trying to create so those are those are good I like those I really liked your stories Red um and you know every time you feel like you're um able to give something um to the buyer other than your service you know you're you're helping them whatever their end purpose is with with the gig that they're that they're buying um you actually get to help them you know because you're you're giving a, a really really excellent quality gig for a really affordable price so that they can um you know do whatever they had in mind and that that um birthday story was was really really um inspiring actually well yeah it's it's a it's a really cool job and i think it's neat to get to do it so well i think that about wraps it up for today so thanks everyone for listening if you have uh, community questions for us you can find us on forum.fiverr.com under the podcast Thank you, Barbara, for joining us. Uh, you can find her as Bachas85. Uh, thanks to Ryan, aka Custom Drum Loops, for making our jingle. And we were edited today by Dancha. We'll see you next week. Fiber